Hi, and welcome to another VJ Oncology podcast, where we'll be discussing the latest advances in the utility and application of artificial intelligence in oncology. We'll be hearing from three leading experts who discuss applications of AI in oncology, including diagnosis, screening, and within the field of radiomics. First up, during the AACR annual meeting, we spoke with Angel Alberic Bayar from Quibim in Spain, who discusses the future of diagnostic imaging in oncology using AI. Well, we see AI and radiomics um, in radiology as a way of creating new diagnostics, non-invasively with these images that we can consider as immortal, uh, let's say biological samples, right? Um, the idea is, can we use imaging to better stratify patients or to better select patients at risk or to better monitor treatment response? or to estimate adverse events. So in the event, we have a group of potential applications of radiomics and AI that can lead to the generation of companion diagnostics. And today, there are not almost companion diagnostics cleared for oncology. There is only one approved for imaging by the FDA, but it's for a different purpose. It's for iron in the liver. So we are really targeting to become pioneers in companion diagnostics and imaging with this kind of studies. Next up, Matthias Uderk from the University of Groningen in the Netherlands reviews the use of artificial intelligence for lung cancer screening and nodule detection. Now, one of the major uh, hurdles for, for implementation is the enormous workload for the radiologist. Because you should realize that just uh, yeah, in a normal, in an average Western population, only one out of 100 nodules will be lung cancer. So you have a huge, really huge number of normals. Um, you encounter the same problem in all early detection and screening programs, also in breast and in, the, in prostate. Um, all the other early detection uh, lung, uh, uh, cancer programs that you have to rule out the negatives. And there are always a lot of negatives in all those programs. And uh, you will have also a substantial uh, um, number of uh, uh, false positives. So one of the, the methodology here is very important. So we had the shift from, uh, now there are different ways to measure the size of a nodule and you can do it by diameter and average diameter, but more accurate is the volume. And we proved in our European studies, and we also published the European positions, the statement in the Lancet, by which we um, uh, could easily prove that w when you really want to do it accurate, you need to exercise uh, volumetry. And um, volumetric measurements are, with the current software that is available on the market everywhere, is not that difficult to implement. And it uh, gives you more reliable uh, uh, data. So um, it was more or less also uh, uh, we could prove that um, many of the false positive, uh, high false, uh, false positive rates were, uh, um, were, were really caused by the uh, diameter measurements that had been used in the past. So now we think with the implementation of volumetry, and we will do this in this new 
uh, European implementation study called Foreign Long Run. And there we uh, will use volumetry and also the growth rate as an important factor to uh, uh, yeah, look for the first for the benign nodules. So to rule out the benign nodules. And then I come to my uh, point on AI. Now, uh, AI is of course a kind of container, uh, has a kind of container meaning everything is AI. And so what we apply in, um, in, in, um, in, in our development is a more task driven AI development. So we, we break down the, um, the, the, the actual decisions that a radiologist has to make when he, when he is yeah, more or less uh, reporting a, uh, a, a certain examination. Um, yeah, that can go up to 10 points in a, in a decision tree. And we train the AI focused, and they call it also a, the narrow AI. We focus it only on one of those decisions. So one of the first decisions that uh, that uh, the radiologist has, has to make, and that's already quite takes quite a lot of time. Are there nodules, or are there no nodules? So that sounds, I think, for you also extremely simple in your ears. But that f to rule that out with certainty, that's not not that simple. So it takes time. Now this simple task probably can be done and taken over by AI. And that is what we showed in that paper that you mentioned. And that has an enormous impact on the workload, which is also a very, a very uh, important uh, hurdle for further implementation. So if, for example, 60 or 70% of everything that you have in your, uh, uh, in, in, in all the cases that you are uh, screening is normal, and the AI can take that out reliably, then you end up with an extremely uh, decreased number of uh, studies that has to be uh, examined by the radiologist himself. Now that is in a paper and we showed with a certain, uh, and then you should take into account what kind of population you have, how many normals are there, uh, what is the average size of the normals of, of the nodules and so forth and so on. But taken in that account, in that particular uh, population, we could come to a reduction, I think, of uh, 86%. Um, workload reduction. So that, that's really high. And then the radiologist only has to do uh, about 10 to 50% of the work, what he normally would do. So that, that, that in our opinion, that are the steps to that you had to have to take to come to a real, uh, yeah, meaningful implementation of AI. Finally, Cesar Piazzi from the University of Brescia talks on artificial intelligence in cancer care and discusses the wide range of possible applications of this technology. Well, artificial intelligence is uh, uh, at the moment a very interesting and brilliant uh, field of research uh, since it's, uh, uh, at least in my view, one of the most intriguing uh, and promising area of uh, future development in the field of uh, diagnosis, surgical, non-surgical prognostication, and so on uh, in the treatment of 
cancer in general, head and neck cancer in particular, and uh, uh, many other fields of medicine and non-medicine for sure. But to, to, to be uh, honest, at the very present day, uh, the practical, uh, I would say, application of such a field are still few and uh, definitely preliminary. For what we are at the moment, uh, we are still trying to make um, artificial intelligence algorithm as able as uh, human are. And to be honest, we are still not there. Or we are there in some specific job, I would say, like identification of a target lesion, or classification in a very easy way between benign and malignant disease, for example. But this is after uh, feeding thousands of images to the same algorithm with a long uh, work, time-consuming work uh, with decades of people involved in just feeding with a lot of data uh, a machine an algorithm in order to try to simulate the activity of uh, would say a normal human being normal doctor so so far there is no way in which the uh, artificial intelligence can be, I would say, implemented in, in the everyday uh, clinical routine, either from the diagnostic or um, therapeutic point of view. But there are obviously very promising uh, future development in this sense. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this unique insight onto AI in oncology. If you have found this podcast useful, please leave a review and subscribe on your podcast app, including Apple, Spotify and Podbean, so we can continue to deliver expert-led content to you. Follow us on Twitter at VJOncology and join in the conversation. And finally, don't forget to visit VJOncology.com for all the latest updates.